Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 21st pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. We've got a really fun episode. Honestly, one of my favorite episodes that we do all year, all year long on this podcast, and that is our mock draft extravaganza. We're going to go around the NFL. C-Mac and I talked with beat writers or uh, NFL draft experts covering all 32 of the first-round picks. We're just going to go pick by pick here and try and come up with the most accurate mock draft possible. The best part about this is that our friend Ben Fennell does not know how this mock draft went. So we're going to get his reactions live as C-Mac and I kind of go through the picks. And we're not going to waste any more time. Let's just jump right in. It's time now for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, guys, well, let's just jump right in. And as I welcome in uh, Chris McPherson, Ben Fennell. Guys, the draft is this week. It's finally here. We really should have, like, special music for this episode. Like, like Peter Kelly, our, our phenomenal producer, audio engineer, uh, really, I think should should come up with a little ditty, something special. This this is this is an annual event. I mean, this is not just your normal journey to draft pocket. This this is welcoming the fact that draft is basically here. I mean, I think it's the is it the fifth annual? It's the fifth. Ooh, or sixth that's annual. a good one. What, yeah, what it's is like the fifth, what, I, I'm pretty sure this is the sixth one or fifth one. Uh, we've been doing this for a while now, but uh, it's a really fun episode. Well, let's, let's get into it, guys. It's the uh, the first overall pick. Obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I took this one. I talked with Joe Goodberry from The Athletic. Does a great job uh, with all of his Bengals coverage. You can follow him at Joe Goodberry on Twitter. Uh, I have a, and, I have a couple uh, ben, ideas. Thoughts on what this pick could be. Expecting a couple <laughs> couple curveballs as well. <laughs> well, he he did. <laughs> he did go with Joe Burrow, uh, and he said, look, the Bengals are picking Joe Burrow because uh, when you have the opportunity to draft a guy that threw for 60 touchdowns, won the Heisman, the national championship, you do it. Not only does he have the accolades, but Burrow has the skill set that would elevate those around him, adding the character, the intelligence, the confidence, and the fact that he's from the area. It's a perfect pick for the Bengals. He's sure that the team did consider Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Justin Herbert, and then, of course, Chase Young. But Ultimately, he believes it will be Joe Burrow, and I think we all believe it will be Joe Burrow on Thursday night. Don't have many issues with that pick there, Fran. I've heard of this Joe Burrow <laughs> no, kid. You think he's got a shot. All right, C-Mac, what do we got for second overall? So, Washington being selected, the, the pick coming from J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington. You can follow him on Twitter at J.P. Finley, N-B-C-S. So, could you possibly go with a quarterback? No, you just took Dwayne Haskins a year ago. No, JP says Chase Young, Ohio State defensive end, is the draft's best player and an immediate impact player for Washington. New head coach Ron Rivera knows he has time to rebuild Washington in his vision, and there's nothing better to start that effort than a game-wrecking pass rusher and elite physical specimen. He did say that trading back with Miami would make sense, but the Washington has not produced. This was an interesting fact here. Washington has not produced an all pro player in more than two decades and simply need elite talent. A player of that caliber could be available at the fifth overall pick, but basically from what Ron Rivera has been saying, he doesn't need more picks. It would have to take a wild offer to deliver the same value. 
it, it's Chase Young here going number two to Washington. So I guess really the the big thing there is if, if they're going to trade back with with Miami, that means Miami's trying to trade ahead of Detroit to make sure that they, that would be if they thought the Lions were going to go quarterback. That, that would be the only thing I would read from that, right? That's correct, and that's that's something that earlier episodes I wondered if maybe they might start looking beyond the Matthew Stafford era, but the edict from the Lions ownership has been, they need to be a playoff contending team this season. And I don't think any, I don't think quarterback at number three is going to get them there. Ben, any reactions to Chase Young going to the Redskins? No, I just think it's kind of interesting. That's now five first round picks on that entire defensive line. As much as I want them to kind of, trade out and address the tackle in the corner position. Show me four guys that can rush the passer and I'll show you four guys that can cover. And I think we saw that kind of formula in San Francisco load up the, uh, the trenches, get after the passer, and that's going to alleviate all the pressure on the defense. So I think anytime you can add a potential blue chip style of player like Chase Young to your defensive front, I think it's going to alleviate the pressure on every level behind him. Yeah, and it is worth noting, Washington does not have a second-round pick going into this draft uh, with the trade that they made up for Montez Sweat last year with the Colts. All right, uh, third third uh, overall pick. I went here with the uh, Detroit Lions. Jeff Risden from ESPN 961 and the Lions Wire. You can follow him at Jeff Risden on Twitter. Uh, we're staying chalk here, guys. Uh, Jeff Akuda, uh, the pick out of Ohio State. Uh, he said with Darius Slay now in Philadelphia, the Lions defense sorely needs a number one corner. Desmond Trufant is a number two at this point. Nothing more than that. Akuda is a better all-around prospect than his Buckeye predecessor, Denzel Ward, who made the Pro Bowl as a rookie as the number four overall pick in 2018. He does think that if Chase Young were to fall out of this spot, so again, if so, if uh, if Washington were to trade out and someone took a quarterback at number two and Chase Young fell to three, he does feel Chase Young, Jeffrey Akuda, said Detroit's biggest needs are pass rusher and corner. He thinks that Young's ability to generate pressure on his own and move around the formation would be too good to pass up. Other players he feels they could look at, and I think part of this is with a potential trade down as well because we've talked about how uh, Detroit is a possible trade-out team. Um, he thinks they could be looking at Derek Brown and perhaps Isaiah Simmons, though the team just did pay Jamie Collins a lot of money to play that exact role. I followed up with him about the quarterback stuff, going to your earlier point, C-Mac. He does believe that because they have talked with uh, some of these quarterbacks. You know, They've talked with Herbert. They've talked with Tua. Uh, they're doing their homework on these guys, but he does feel that it's smoke, that they will go with one of these defensive players. Yeah, Okuda just seems to be a good fit for what Matt Patricia wants on a defense. Corey Unlin, uh, former Eagles defensive backs coach, is now the defensive coordinator there. So uh, you want that physical competitor, someone who's going to come up and hit you and tackle as well as cover. So Okuda makes a lot of sense, especially, as you mentioned, Fran, that they've already traded uh, Darius Slay here to Philadelphia. Any surprise there, Ben? No, not particularly. Obviously, I think Okuda is the cream of the crop with cover corner that should fit into any scheme here. I'm just kind of looking through the Lions defense. This team's under a bit of an identity crisis the last two years. They're really flipping the roster under Matt Patricia, getting a lot of Patriot disciples and Danny Shelton, Trey Flowers, Jamie Collins, adding Deron Harmon now to the secondary. Uh, you know, kind of hit and reset, getting rid of Darius Slay and Quandre Diggs last year. Now it's Trufant and Jeffrey Okuda. Two really talented long corners. We both really like the, you know, the kind of progress that Justin Coleman made in the slot and Tracy Walker on the back end. A lot of guys with some good man coverage ability there. Just kind of a, a lot of new faces out there. But you have Kirk Cousins, you have Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North. You got to be able to cover on the back end. It's so interesting, Ben, that you you talk about how they're remaking 
the team and, and the vision of, you know, what Matt Patricia wants. And it's like, you're, you're trying to build this team. Well, it takes, sometimes it takes time for that to happen. And then you have the edict from upstairs telling you, you, you basically got to be in a win now situation. What if the Lions stumble again and don't make the playoffs? So all of a sudden, are you going to cast aside this coaching staff, possibly the general manager, and then have to restart and then once again have to go through this process? So that the team building aspect is very fascinating from that standpoint for me. Yeah, I just wonder what like what Matthew Stafford's going to go through or like I don't want to keep going to the word legacy, but you know, in 5 years when we reflect back on Matthew Stafford's career, is he part of the problem or part of the solution? And I think you know everybody kind of wants to finger point in sports and figure out where things went right and went wrong. We've seen obviously a rotating door of offensive coordinators, head coaches, talent around Matthew Stafford. Is he a, one of these franchise quarterbacks who's just going to get stuck in mediocrity, you know, his entire career? And then it's just like, you know, is he part of the problem or the solution? I think those are kind of interesting arguments uh, with guys that are, you know, pretty much franchise quarterbacks and never questioned it. All right, well, let's get to the uh, the fourth overall pick here. And I was being a little facetious, Ben, when I would ask you any reaction to the first three because we all kind of figure that those are the first three picks by the time we get to Thursday night, uh, barring any trade-outs. But uh, let's go to the New York Giants because I feel like this is where it gets a little bit interesting. I went with a, an old friend here, Zach Rosenblatt, who previously covered the Eagles for NJ.com, now covers the New York Giants for the Newark Star-Ledger. Uh, let's go with his selection here for Dave Gettleman. Now, uh, his explanation, the Giants are likely either picking one of these offensive linemen or Isaiah Simmons. Dave Gettleman indicated last week that he's happy with the defense, and he admitted that they were targeting offensive tackles in this draft. The pick for Zach Rosenblatt, Mackay Becton, out of Louisville. He said he's the embodiment of what Dave Gettleman calls a hog molly. Uh, he might pass out, Dave Gettleman, if Chase Young were to somehow fall to number three. So if we do see that run on quarterbacks, uh, you know, going into the top three picks, if Chase Young were to fall, he feels that that would be the easy slam dunk selection for Dave Gettleman. Um, Isaiah Simmons is obviously the other direction here, but sticking with the offensive line, uh, he said it would not be a shock if the Giants were considering any of Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, or Andrew Thomas. He did say, though, that another sleeper would be Derek Brown. And, and to me, like, Twitter would just, like, set ablaze <laughs> if they spent another first-round pick uh, on a defensive tackle after trading for Leonard Williams last year, after sele selecting Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson, uh, with the guys they already have, Dalvin Tomlinson and B.J. Hill, on that front. Uh, that would be really, really surprising. But, uh, I've, guys, I've just had problems trying to figure out, like, which of these tackles – Gettleman and the Giants would ultimately go with, but uh, interesting that they go with uh, with Mackay Becton here. He feels that he said that he, for, throughout the process, uh, this is Zach. He felt that Dave Gettleman was really attracted to Tristan Wirfs, but over the last week and a half, two weeks, he has felt that it could be Mackay Becton. It's interesting because they need to address right tackle. You know, I know they've they've sold her at the left side, and certainly, uh, you know, I don't think that sign has worked as expected. But it's it's quite surprising that. At this point, right tackle is a dire need for this football team. And you have someone like a Tristan Wirfs who played that position well at Iowa who, who could slide in there. So um, in some ways, I like all the, all the tackles here. And I think it's a very underrated offensive tackle class overall and wouldn't be surprised if this maybe begins a run on them here in early in the draft. But uh, this is really, I think, the first pick where everyone's going to be intrigued to see which direction they go, it, especially you figure they're taking tackle. And, Fran, you've, you've noted before with Gettleman, he hasn't taken a, an offensive lineman in the first round previously, but it looks like this is the year that that will change. 
Yeah, the Giants, you look at their roster. Who do you need to protect? Protect the jewels. That's, you know, Saquon Barkley and your second-year quarterback, Daniel Jones. And how do you protect those jewels the best? By adding a receiver, adding a safety, adding a pass rusher? No, you got to bolster the trenches. Now, it's just a matter of what style and fit and positional, you know, need do you have? Are you looking to kind of replace Nate Solder that you made him the highest-paid left tackle? He's the second-highest cap hit among tackles in the league next year. So huge total on this kid. I'm not willing to say, you know, maybe they're looking a little bit more competition at left tackle there. Maybe the future of the position, uh, you know, protecting Daniel Jones blindside. My last point on the Giants really is like trying to figure out which of these four uh, tackles that they would go with. All four of them are young. All four of these guys are going to be 21 years old when training camp opens this summer. All four of those guys have experience putting their hands in the dirt. All four of these guys uh, have uh, positional versatility to play right or left tackle. So, you know, I look at all of them. It's like, man, like I could definitely see Gettleman liking any of them. It's going to be very, very interesting to see who they ultimately select. All right. All right. So we go to Miami now. Uh, C-Mac, you, you are on the board here with the, with the Dolphins. All right. So the GM here for the Dolphins is Alan Pupar, Dolphins insider and publisher of all Dolphins, part of the Maven SINFL network. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Fins. So the Dolphins last year, it was the tank for Tua campaign, and everything works out perfectly that they can get the quarterback from Alabama. But no, the selection here is Justin Herbert of Oregon. Allen says that there's an awful lot of buzz around that they're going to take Herbert over a tongue of Iowa, and that is going to be the prediction, of course, for other considerations at this pick here. Two is certainly in the mix, as well as Isaiah Simmons, Allen's favorite player here, as well as Iowa tackle Tristan Wirfs. Uh, if you're looking at down the line, because they have three first-round picks here, they'll have to address offensive tackle. If they don't do it at number five, and other pressing needs, running back, safety, and edge defender. So they hope to maybe address some of those positions later on. We'll see where they go. But the second quarterback is off the board. It's not Tua. It is Justin Herbert out of Oregon. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, it seems to be the trend right now. I think I can make cases for both Tua and Justin Herbert. I'm not going to get into, you know, Tua's medicals. Obviously, it's way above my head and pay grade. But, uh, you know, I think Herbert's a really interesting prospect. And you kind of wanted to see how – how he uses all these tools and the big arm and the functional mobility, you know, in an NFL scheme. And if he could kind of, you know, I don't want to say dial back the aggressiveness, but I want to see him play in a little bit more of a structured offense and make better decisions and quicker decisions. And I'd love to see him in a quarterback room with a Ryan Fitzpatrick and um, looking at this offensive line, man, they're going to have to address some, some of these holes in later in the first round and probably again, later in the draft as well. I like what they did on defense in free agency to alleviate some of these draft day uh, needs and flexibility, which we both love Fran being able to go into the draft ready to play a game. But the Dolphins, I think, are one of the few teams I'm not sure they are ready looking at this offensive line. So uh, it's great to get the quarterback of the future. And now let's bolster the trenches. All right, Zimak, thanks for the Chargers. Yeah, so backpack picks here. So GM for the Chargers here is Jeff Miller of the Los Angeles Times. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Miller, L-A-T. And with a quarterback going number five, we're going to have a quarterback going number six, okay? Of course, they're hyping up Tyrod Taylor to be the starter, but Tua Tungavailoa is the selection here for the Chargers. Jeff believes the Chargers would be delighted with this scenario. 
They think that they would run to the table or to your Microsoft Teams, however they're doing the pick, and pick Tungavailoa and not look back. Uh, it seems like that they are committed to taking a quarterback in the first round. They do like Justin Herbert, but if this situation were to present itself, Tua would certainly be the first choice. Uh, the other big need here, Jeff says, is that left tackle could be addressed, uh, if not here, at number 37 overall, their second-round pick. And then looking down the line for the Chargers, other pressing needs, linebacker, wide receiver, D lineman, and running back. Uh, they need another option to play middle or weak side linebacker, someone who can clean up a lot of tackles. And they need a speedy wide receiver. Even they have Mike Williams in the fold, a former first-round pick. They sorely lack an outside threat who can run past defensive backs. So that's the breakdown from Jeff Miller of the Los Angeles Times to a tongue of Iowa, the selection at number six. Any surprise there, Ben? No, I think the draft really starts kind of at, uh, you know, at four with the Giants and figuring out what they're doing, if they're going to go, you know, offensive line or Isaiah Simmons or, you know, pass catching weapon for Daniel Jones. So I think the draft really kind of starts there. The Chargers are really interesting. I like that proposition. And maybe, you know, Tua doesn't have to start right away with Tyrod Taylor. I thought this would be a scenario for another free agent quarterback to come in, whether that was Jameis or Cam Newton or somebody else to go compete with Tyrod, uh, maybe kind of hold over for a year to maybe let Tua get healthy or maybe take a quarterback next year. But when you look at this team, there's a lot of interesting parts. And I think on defense, this is going to be mostly a defensive team. You know, with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, and Derwin James getting back on the field, adding Chris Harris. Um, you know, I think they want to run the ball and play some defense there. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, with selecting Tua what the pressure is to be a starter in 2020. So I'm going to go here, seventh overall pick. Uh, Carolina Panthers are up. Jordan Rodrique from The uh, from the Athletic, you can follow her on Twitter, at Jordan Rodrique, uh, is making the pick. She believes that the board fell this way, that the Panthers would probably pick Isaiah Simmons or trade back. Obviously, the trade back is not in the uh, cards for this scenario. So she is taking Isaiah Simmons, and they would feel that Simmons was the best player available at this point, also feels a pretty substantial need at linebacker after retirement of Luke Keekley. And that versatility that Simmons has will match that new defense. If Jeffrey Akuda or Chase Young were somehow available here, uh, either one would be a huge get for the Panthers, who have needs at every defensive tier and are still lacking a starting number one corner. She feels that the Panthers would also consider Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw either at number seven or with a trade back. Both players feel a massively uh, need along the defensive line. So, Ben, uh, thoughts there on Simmons going to Matt Rule, Phil Snow, and that new staff down there in Carolina? So, obviously, you know, there's a new era there in Carolina. No more Thomas Davis, no more Luke Keekley hitting reset on the safety position. I like Isaiah Simmons, and that's kind of the player of the future to build around. I'm not sure they feel like Brian Burns or Shaq Thompson or even Dante Jackson are really, you know, the cornerstone guys on the defense to build around if they still feel like they need another corner there and another edge rusher. So, I like Isaiah Simmons. I don't think he's going to come – in plug and play where Luke Keekley used to play, but I think he's a versatile player that'll be on the back end mostly. And then down on third down, he'll be around the quarterback, the line of scrimmage, blitzing QB spying, guarding backs and tight ends and slot receivers. I expect him to take a couple lumps, you know, in his rookie year, but I think he's going to make a lot of plays as well. Uh, and I think this defense needs some playmakers and there's a lot of new faces on this defense. So uh, obviously the new head coach after Ron Rivera leaving and, you know, a lot of new bodies there. So 
kind of interested to see this whole thing with Matt Rule, Joe Brady, and adding in Isaiah Simmons. That's, uh, that's a good start. See, Mac, take us through the eighth pick. All right, so the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. The GM for the pick here is Scott Bordeaux from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at SBordeaux. And the selection will be one of the defensive linemen that was aforementioned by Jordan Rodriguez. It's going to be Derek Brown out of Auburn. Other options here, you're going to take the highest-rated tackle on the board. They do need a long-term answer at the position or trade down and try to recuperate the second-round pick they gave up in the DeAndre Hopkins deal. Uh, for other pitches, positions later in the draft, they'll look to add a running back, linebacker depth, and help on both sides of the line of scrimmage. But the selection here for the Cardinals, they take Derek Brown out of Auburn. What's your thoughts on that, Fran, and kind of his positional value there? Do you really think he's going to be an impact player on third down? You know, he's a guy that's really more of a bull in a china shop, yeah. in my opinion. It's obviously a little bit more of a run plugger and dominated some weaker offensive line in the SEC. You know, there's guys that I really like that were a little bit one-dimensional, like Danny Shelton's of the world, and we've seen Andrew Billings of the world really fall in the draft. So I think Derek Brown's a little bit more polarizing than people think. I feel like he offers a little bit more juice on third down than those guys, like uh, than Vita Vea and, uh, and those guys do. But I, I agree with you. I don't know that he offers enough on third down to warrant this high of a select. That's just me. That's just me. I feel like when you get a little bit later into the first round, I feel like you can start talking about uh, a guy that high. But, uh, no, I mean, the thing is with Derek Brown is that you know what you're getting, and he's a high-character kid. He's a hard worker. Uh, you know, you know, so you're, you're, you're buying safe here. You, you understand uh, what you're getting with that kid when you bring him into the building. So, you know, from that standpoint, it certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, so let's go ninth overall pick here. Jacksonville Jaguars up. I spoke with Eric Edholm, who covers the NFL draft for Yahoo Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. And he is going to pick for the Jaguars cornerback C.J. Henderson and said, let's face it, the Jags are going to stink next year. <laughs> That's Eric's words. Uh, they need to collect as many good players, immediate needs to be, uh, be damned. Henderson is a cover corner, a darn good one, and those are hard to find. You cannot wait until pick 20 for that. Heck, trade 20, uh, pick 20 for 2021 draft capital. That would be a smart move. Um, he said that he would uh, likely have taken Isaiah Simmons if he were available. He does not think that they go quarterback here. Um, you know, But if Tua fell, maybe there would be a conversation. He also thinks that they would consider one of these offensive linemen, uh, except for the fact that evaluating offensive linemen for that club has been a little bit thorny. Um, so he said he'll suspect that they'll be open for business for any team trying to leapfrog Cleveland for one of these tackles or any of these teams looking up for receivers. So you know, we had that talk last week about – uh, you know, Denver and Tampa Bay and, uh, you know, who's the, the third team that could, uh, Atlanta that could potentially be moving up. Maybe Jacksonville is that trade back, but CJ Henderson, the pick obviously to look to replace that gaping hole left uh, by Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye this off season. Phenomenal cover corners with the athleticism profile that Henderson has just don't last very long. So, so solid pick, I guess uh, surprised that Kinlaw wasn't mentioned as a possibility for them here. Uh, with the needs along the line as well. Yeah, no, I, I think when you look at you know their leads, especially when you have that second uh, first round pick, we'll see if they uh, see if they go de defensive line later. So for the tenth overall pick, uh, Cleveland Browns are up, and Dustin Fox from Bull and Fox uh, out in Cleveland. He's the ESPN college football analyst uh, at Dustin Fox thirty seven, former Eagles safety by the way. Uh, Dustin Fox, a great follow on Twitter. 
the pick here for the Browns. This is an interesting one because they, they can go a number of different ways. Obviously, everyone's been pegging offensive line, and that is the direction they go here. They go with Tristan Wirfs. He feels that with Iowa's uh, offensive line pedigree, uh, they tend to be great coming out of that school. And also, with his high spark score, that will resonate well with the analytically driven Cleveland Browns front office. So uh, he feels that Tristan Wirfs would be the pick there. And honestly, it, it makes a lot of sense. His explanation uh, certainly did make uh, you know sense to me. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Yeah, really good player. I just want to know whether they think he's going to be a guard or tackle. They seem, you know, pretty solid at the guard position with Joel Batonio at left guard there. Clearly a need at left tackle. They address right tackle with Jack Conklin. And then it's just a matter of what type of scheme they're going to run with Alex Van Pelt coming over from kind of the Mike McCarthy West Coast offense tree uh, and a mobile quarterback in Baker Mayfield likes to hold on to the ball. So let's just see the kind of style uh, fit for Tristan Wirfs in that offense. I think he's a really good player. Uh, a lot of people have him pegged in at guard as well, though. So we'll see uh, if they think he can hold off on the edge first. All right. Number 11, the New York Jets are on the clock. The GM is Tony Pauline, longtime draft insider. He's now with Pro Football Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Tony Pauline. And our good friend basically came down to debating Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, or Jerry Judy, the wide receiver. And he goes with Andrew Thomas. Here, number 11 to New York Jets. Uh, similar to the other team in New York, you got to protect the young franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold. Yes, they invested a lot of free resources into the position, but you can get someone who can plug and play from day one here in Thomas. Uh, obviously, the second option would also help the quarterback getting a dynamic threat at the wide receiver position, but the Jets go with Andrew Thomas here at number 11. Yeah, really good pick there. Obviously, a hole at left tackle. They, you know, got George Fanton free agency, but that's not really a long-term fit there. And then right tackle, I really like Chuma Adoga at a USC, a third-round pick. So they're getting young on the offensive line to surround Sam Darnold. You got to keep him upright, and they got to stay healthy at the skill player position. So add a franchise left tackle, then add some weapons on day two for uh, Sam Darnold there. Very meat and potatoes. Uh, Joe Douglas, new GM. It's his first draft with the team he wasn't added until uh summertime uh last season so this is actually his first draft with the jets so for the 12th overall pick i went with the las vegas raiders i talked with vic tafer out with the athletic uh out west you can follow him on twitter at vic tafer uh the pick here is jerry judy for the first receiver goes off the board this goes with uh the, that prediction about the no receivers in the top 10 that we talked about last week on the show, C-Mac. Uh, but Jerry Judy goes off the board at number 12. There is an Antonio Brown comp there, and Judy would come in and run all of those plays that John Gruden basically had to throw out last summer. Uh, he could see them go with C.J. Henderson here if he fell to number 12, but he does not think that they view any other defensive players that high. I could see the Raiders trading down with one of these tackle or wide receiver hungry teams and picking up a receiver a little bit later as well. I did ask him about the possibility of trading up for C.J. Henderson. He said they think about trading up a couple of spots for one of these defensive players that are off the board, maybe even Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, I have heard some buzz about Tua going to the Raiders, but uh, that's per that's that's my note, not Vicks. Uh, but he thinks that with Marcus Mariota at seven and a half million, that they only would add a quarterback in the down day three of the draft. So uh, you, Vic Tafer goes with Jerry Judy here. Guys, it wouldn't, you know another player that would not shock me is Isaiah Simmons. If they were to try and move up for one of these defensive players, I wonder if the Raiders uh, could get a guy like Isaiah Simmons, you know, a guy, someone to match up with all of those versatile tight ends that they've got out in the, in the AFC West. Fran, did you ever think watching the 2018 National Championship game, Alabama, Clemson, 
that we'd be sitting here with Josh Jacobs, Jerry Judy, Hunter Renfro, Cleon Farrell, Trayvon Mullen, all on the same NFL team. And now you're now you want to plug in maybe Isaiah Simmons too. That fits yep. the narrative as well. Maybe Trevor Lawrence next year. It's just cra- <laughs> crazy to think sometimes you're sitting there watching these big college games. It's like, you know what? What would happen if some of these guys were all on the same team in the NFL? And sometimes it happens. And uh, the Raiders look like they have a they have a type with Mike Mayock there. And they like these big school guys with a lot of experience. And there's no problem picking from either of these teams. Fran, I just love you. You slide in the, the Tua reference as if it's nothing, though. That, that was like almost like an afterthought. I, I just heard, I've heard a little bit of buzz. That's all. I've just heard, heard a little bit of buzz with the, with the Raiders and Tua Tonga Vailoa. Um, all right, let's go to the next one here. Uh, 13th overall, San Francisco 49ers. I spoke with our friend Josh Norris uh, from Roto World NBC Sports. You can follow him on Twitter. I'm sure you already do at Josh Norris. The pick here, wide receiver Henry Ruggs uh, goes to the 49ers. Says, it would not be shocking if Ruggs is the first receiver off the board this week. Why? Speed. It's coveted now more than ever. Ruggs gives off rookie year Tyree Kill vibes. Pure electricity with the ball in his hands. Alabama understood this, and they manufactured touches for the speed demon, and Ruggs responded by averaging over 10 yards after the catch. That's not to say that Ruggs is limited. We already know that he shows really good real or that he shows real route chops and has practically perfect hands with just one drop last year, connecting him to a spacing mastermind like Kyle Shanahan is cheating. Guys, this is a connection. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it makes a ton of sense. I've talked about it for the last few weeks. I, I really feel Henry Ruggs to San Francisco makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it's not really fair, to be honest with you. I just want to watch these practice races between him and Marquise Goodwin, and I think they have Travis Benjamin, too. Tons of speed. I, th- I really thought you were going to say Javon Kinlaw, which a lot of people have kind of been pegging interior defensive tackle to replace DeForest Buckner uh, at that pick there, but I don't think adding any more weapons to that offense is really going to hurt. And uh, the more the more you can have at you know Kyle Shanahan's disposal and keep everybody fresh, man, that's just a, a dangerous proposition. All right, so at number 14, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the clock. The GM is Greg Allman from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Greg Allman. He's covered the Bucs for two decades. The guy is plugged in as anyone in terms of covering that team. And the selection here, you've got arguably the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady and free agency. So why don't you protect him the same way we're talking about protecting these young quarterbacks, get Jedrick Wills of Alabama Basically, it just comes down to you need to protect Tom Brady at all costs. And some people will argue that Wills is the best tackle in this draft class. Not bad to be able to sit there in 14 and to be able to select him. Yeah, this offensive line, actually, there aren't a lot of bodies in this offensive line. They literally have Joe Haig pegged in at right tackle right now, free agent from Indianapolis, our uh, North Dakota State buddy. Um, but she, she, you got to keep Tom Brady upright. They have a pretty interesting receiver room right now. Interesting uh, group of backfield guys and tight ends. But if you don't bolster that offensive line, like they have in New England for Tom Brady, he's not going to be upright very long. So Jadrick Wills, the fourth tackle off the board, which is a little surprising to me. Uh, cause I agree with you, C-Mac. I feel like he's one of those guys that we, you know, it could be the, the top tackle in the class. Let's hit a quick, hit a quick pause button. Just kind of rehash some of the guys that are still on the board right now. Denver's on the clock. So you've got who? You've got uh, Javon Kinlaw. Uh, C.D. Lamb is still on the board. Uh, just kind of scrolling through here. Some of the players that uh, we haven't seen go yet. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you get into like A.J. Terrell. Uh, Caleb on Chasen is not off the board yet. Uh, Justin Jefferson still on the board. But I guess the two big ones here, 
Kinlaw, I would say Christian Fulton as well, and C.D. Lamb. Big ones uh, still not uh, have not heard their name called. Denver is now on the clock. Steve Mack, who, uh, who we got for the Broncos? No, no major surprises, I would say, Fran, to this point. So, uh, number 15, Broncos on the clock, Nikki Javala from The Athletic is the general manager. Follow her on Twitter at Nikki Javala. And the selection here, you get Drew Locke, second-year quarterback. You want to give him a playmaker. How about Denzel Mims out of Baylor with his good size, very physical, great speed, and a huge catch radius, which will only help Drew Locke with Mims's explosiveness. He could be a huge asset in Pat Shermer, new offensive coordinator's offense. Uh, Justin Jefferson or C.D. Lamb also could be the picks here. Uh, Nikki saying big time that she envisions a trade back scenario. Interesting. That they'll end up with Mims. It seems like that she thinks the Broncos are locked in on Mims and thinks of them him probably is a trade down option to get back to 19 or 20. Uh, but certainly the big surprise here, even with CD lamb on the board, Denzel Mims, the pick out of Baylor. Hmm. <laughs> that was my reaction. I feel like, you know, look, um, this is why this is an interesting exercise and this is a fun, a fun pick because these kind of things happen in the draft every single year. So some people say, oh, the mock draft's ruined. You know, oh, this, this doesn't make sense. No, this kind of stuff happens every single year. And don't be shocked if something like this were to happen. Just because everybody says, oh, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, they're the top three receivers. Not every NFL team is going to view it that way. So that, that's no. my takeaway. from, from the- I'm not willing to say they're going to pass over maybe a, a Trayvon Diggs here or a Kenneth Murray here. I mean, looking at their off-ball linebacker group, which they didn't address in free agency, Right now, it's Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson. And you have Todd Davis back there that's kind of a vet, and that's really it. I think they need a a nucleus of the defense, a captain of the defense, you know, after Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and adding Jarrell Casey up front, A.J. Boye to the back end. Who's on the who's like who's calling the defense? Who's the quarterback of this defense? I think you got to look to a Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen potentially being that kind of commander of the defense for the next 10 years. Interesting, real quick to, to follow up on that, Ben. Uh, Nikki did list their needs after getting this wide receiver, Denzel Mims. She mentioned offensive tackle first, then corner, then D-line depth, interior offensive line, edge rusher, inside linebacker, uh, and safety. We're actually kind of at the tail end. And she also throws in, don't be surprised if they double dip on receiver in this draft. Yeah, no question. Looking at this receiver group, you got to add some more weapons for Drew Locke. This team's got a bunch of holes, so... Uh, that's a good thing and a bad thing. They could see the way the board falls to them or maybe trade out and try to add a, you know, a couple extra picks. All right, so I've got a couple picks here. Uh, Atlanta, kind of a wild card team, I view, uh, in the first round. Charles McDonald, uh, who's plugged in with the Falcons but is a senior NFL writer at the New York Daily News, uh, at Four Verts on Twitter, so you can follow Charles uh, on Twitter as well. Thinks the Falcons would go with Javon Kinlaw if the board fell this way. Uh, Atlanta is lacking anyone that can consistently make plays along the defensive line outside of Grady Jarrett. An edge rusher to play with Dante Fowler and Tack McKinley, who very well may not even get his fifth-year option picked up, may be a bigger hole, but none of the available edge defenders are as good as Kinlaw. He would give the Falcons a pass rusher to pair with with Grady Jarrett on the inside for at least the next few seasons. He also thinks that C.J. Henderson is very high on their draft board. His 2019 tape, a little inconsistent, but he fits the size and speed that Dan Quinn has tried to add on the outside since he was made the head coach. Also, side note from me, uh, remember that Dan Quinn 
former defensive coordinator at the University of Florida just a few years ago. So uh, still has some ties there with that Gators program, even though they've had coaching changes. Christian Fulton and Grant Delpit are intriguing options for this team as well. But Kinlaw, just too good to pass up. Ben, what are your thoughts on Kinlaw to the Falcons? Yeah, really good player. Obviously, a lot of people have them picking interior defensive line. Another team that I'm not really sure where they're thinking, you know, they are as contenders. And, you know, Matt Ryan uh, entering his, you know, 14th season. He added Todd Gurley. You have a lot of weapons on offense there. I'm not sure what they think of themselves uh, as being contenders or not. Obviously, they need to kind of rehash the secondary. But, you know, adding interior defensive linemen, you know, that alleviates the pressure on the linebackers, the coverage guys behind them. And I think Kinlaw's best football is ahead of him. I think he's going to be a much better pro than he was at South Carolina, uh, if you kind of get what I'm saying there. Very interesting team with the Falcons. They were very hot to finish the season after a ter- terrible start uh, to their 2019 campaign. So I wonder if they're, they're hoping that momentum can build over to this season. Yeah, well, let's go to Dallas here at 17. Uh, I talked with Jeff Cavanaugh eight, at JC1053 on Twitter. Uh, he works, obviously, at 1053, the radio home of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he is taking C.D. Lamb and doing backflips. Now, of course, he's not expecting C.D. Lamb to be there. And he says, in a normal scenario, I said, look, let's imagine that Lamb is not on the board. Let's imagine that Denzel Mibbs was not the pick for the Broncos and Lamb had gone there. Who would the scenario be? And he thinks it would be Caleb on Chase in here. But because uh, C.D. Lamb is on the board, he really can't imagine that they would pass on that value. Someone else uh, to you know catch passes there from Dak Prescott. As soon as I saw the, the Cowboys coming up and Lamb still on the board after the Falcons pass on, I said, he's going to be in our division. That, that's, that's all I, I was thinking. He's going to be in the NFC East. So uh, obvious pick there. But Chase on would, would be also uh, a slam dunk there if he makes it here to 17 to me. C-Mac, you're on the board with the foul, with the uh, with the Dolphins again at 18. Uh, all right, second first-round pick, Alan Pupar again, Dolphins insider and publisher of all Dolphins, uh, is the GM here. Mentioned at the number five that offensive tackle is a need and will go with Josh Jones out of Houston. Uh, said would also consider Chase on if he were to slide, as well as DeAndre Swift uh, running back here. Uh, but with offensive tackle being the biggest need, Josh Jones, the selection here for the Dolphins. Yeah, I also consider, you know, Austin Jackson in there. It also seems like, uh, you know, some other guys are kind of challenging for that next spot, whether it's Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle at Georgia, that's gotten a lot of first-round buzz, who's a massive, massive player, kind of like the right tackle version of Makai Becton. So, if you know, it's, you really have to decide what your type is at tackle. Josh Jones is a guy that I think his buzz has really died down just because guys like Tristan Wirfs and Becton really showed out at the Combine. But Josh Jones, I think one of the darlings of the first round, it's going to be a, a blindside protector for 10, 12 years. So the, the Eagles on the clock here in three picks. We've got two, uh, two ahead of them. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at 19. I went back to Vic Tafer from The Athletic. Uh, he goes with A.J. Terrell, the Clemson corner. So another player from that game, uh, Ben, to add into the fold. But uh, he definitely thinks that the possibility here for a trade down is on the table. Uh, general managers always say uh, they would take the best player available. And he thinks that Caleb on Chasen would be the best player available. But – so general managers lie and always reach for need. So he would take the Clemson guy since the Raiders love these guys so much. Terrell is long. He's tall. He's rangy. Some people feel he's better than former and future teammate Trayvon Mullen, who will start opposite him. So uh, A.J. Terrell off the board here at 19. The pick that's kind of gained a little bit of steam here down the stretch for the Raiders. 
Yeah, it's a good pick. And again, kind of fitting our narrative with them liking these uh, experienced players from the from the big time programs there. I don't think there's any anything wrong with uh, plucking some of those players. So let's go to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars again. I went back to Eric Edholm from uh, Yahoo Sports, covers the NFL draft for them. Uh, you can follow him at Eric underscore Edholm, 20th overall pick. He's going to take Caleb on Chase and the pass rusher from LSU. He feels, look, they're going to have to trade Yannick Ngakwe. You trade him if possible. This is not a great pass rush draft, so he's got value after Chase Young. There aren't really any other pass rushers that people are super hyped about in the top half of round one. Uh, so he feels that Ngakwe will have some value. He feels that Chase can come in and fill that role. And now you have Josh Allen. Chasen, Taven Bryan, the makings of a decent rush unit again up front. Again, this team's not very good, so adding good players is key. But the fact that Chasen fits a potential need is also very nice. He almost took Jedrick Wills at number nine overall. And uh, before picking C.J. Henderson, he was ready to pounce if he kept sliding. Uh, when I did ask him, look, is there anybody else that they would consider if the board fell this way? He said, look, it's tough to know. He said the Jaguars are a tough team to figure out. Uh, Dave Caldwell always keeps things close to the vest. Watch them take a running back here to take a jab at Leonard Fournette. He said there's a weird pattern here. So the Jaguars draft players, and it's often to correct a mistake from a couple of years prior. So just something to keep an eye on there uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, another team with uh, kind of a change in the guard with their leadership on defense. Jalen Ramsey gone, A.J. Boye gone, Calais Campbell gone. Really need to figure out who's going to be the captain of this defense. Seems like Yannick Ndokwe is on his way out. Is Miles Jack kind of that pillar uh, quarterback of the defense there? So a lot of different options I could kind of plug in there. But Clavion Chase is a really interesting player. Can join his LSU buddies, you know, Leonard Fournette and DJ Shark down there in Jacksonville. All right, so the time has come. The Philadelphia Eagles. Who's making our pick? Bo Wolf, Philadelphia Eagles alumnus from The Athletic, host of the ever-so-popular Birds with Friends podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Bo underscore Wolf. And, of course, Bo is spelled the correct way. So the selection but, but here. But is, is Wolf spelled the correct way? I would that's say a good no. question. That's, that's, <laughs> you got you to have trade-offs at some point, one point or another. So, setting the scene here, okay, we've seen the run on tackles. We've seen four receivers go before here. Chase on an edge rusher going, going just before them. So, sitting here at number 21, the pick from GM Bo Wolf is indeed wide receiver, and it's Justin Jefferson from LSU. For Bo, it's receiver or bust in his scenario. So, it could be Jefferson. Could be Jalen Rager, could be Brandon Ayuk. If Mims were on the board, it could be him. He believes that Harry Roseman likes to make the best bet and that Jefferson checks every box, unlike the other wide receiver options. The one question about Jefferson, according to Bo, is whether he can succeed on the outside, but that bar is relatively low considering the other options on the roster. If someone at a premium position fell, like a CJ Henderson, or we just talked about Chase On, or even Kinlaw, the Eagles might have to think twice. Now, if Jefferson were also off the board in this, situ in this situation, he thinks they would trade down. But in this scenario, he plays it down the middle and goes with Justin Jefferson. And looking down the line, the way the roster is constructed now, the Eagles don't need anything, emphasizing need, anything other than a receiver. But they're going to need some long-term replacements for players like Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, and either Rodney McLeod or Jalen Mills. So it's a great situation to be in BPA-wise, best player available-wise. But, guys, the pick here, 
Eagles get a wide receiver to grow with Carson Wentz, and it's Justin Jefferson out of LSU. We, I mean, we've talked about the selection. We've talked about the fit often. Uh, I love Justin Jefferson and everything he brings to the table. Um, maybe, maybe not the most dynamic player at the receiver position, but a guy that is just rock solid across the board, extremely well-rounded. Uh, again, I think you kind of go back to something I said about a prospect earlier. You know what you're getting with Justin Jefferson, right? Even if he isn't a home run pick, you feel like it's a, a ground roll double. I really like Justin Jefferson. I kind of thought Bo would have a little cute pet name for the receiver group, you know, Jeffrey Jackson Jefferson. I'm a little disappointed in Bo. I thought he'd have something a little more clever. Well, he was all business here, all business with this pick. We got Jeffrey Jackson Jefferson and JJ. There's something there. So, well, yeah, there's something. There's a there's a band name coming. I know it. We'll workshop it. All right, let's go to uh, the next picks here, guys. Is uh, the Eagles now uh, off the clock? Minnesota Vikings here at 22. I talked with Jordan Reed, a senior draft analyst for the Draft Network, plugged in with that Vikings team at J. Reed NFL. The pick for the Vikings, Christian Fulton. He said, with clear holes at corner and wide receiver, the best value, considering the players left on the board, is at corner. After losing Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander, the team has to quickly reshape that secondary. Christian Fulton helps that immediately. He said, Justin Jefferson being picked one pick before is very unfortunate as he's a perfect fit in Minnesota following the trade of Stefan Diggs to Buffalo. The other player he thinks that they would consider here would be USC left tackle Austin Jackson. So, Ben, your thoughts on Christian Fulton going to Mike Zimmer? Yeah, I think that's a good fit there. Obviously, hit and reset in that secondary. Like you had just mentioned, seems like he'll be opposite of uh, Mike Hughes, who was a first-round pick two years ago out of Central Florida. Yeah, you know, you can look at this offensive line and say they need to kind of bolster things and look to the future of, you know, left tackle with Riley Reef there. And their interior really hasn't panned out the way they had expected with Pat Elfline and Bradbury going into his second year. So, uh, obviously, have to keep Kirk Cousins upright, and it's going to be a run-based offense like they've been. So, But at the end of the day, you have Matt Stafford, you have Aaron Rodgers. you got to be able to cover on the back end, and I think that's something Mike Zimmer has always kind of preached on and always added young, intriguing talent every chance he can to the cornerback room. So it uh, seems like business as usual for the Mike Zimmer campaign. So with uh, the uh, the New England Patriots now on the clock at 23, uh, I've talked with Dane Brugler, friend of the podcast from The Athletic, lead draft analyst. You can go follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. Uh, the pick here for the Patriots, well, that's caught some steam lately. We talked about it a lot. A.J. Epinesa, the pass rusher from Iowa, he feels Epinesa would be a natural fit in Bill Belichick's defensive front. And, there, and if there is a team that won't be overly concerned with the 504 40-yard dash time, it's the Patriots. So Coach Belichick will be more interested in Epinesa's heavy hands and his savvy to create his own passing lanes. He does not think that the Patriots expect Caleb on Chasen to be in striking distance, but it would be disappointing if he was snatched up just a couple of picks before the Pats. So maybe a potential trade up shortly to, to get a Caleb on Chasen. If he were to fall, uh, that could be on the table. Also, uh, there's a decent chance that the Patriots are going to go front seven at 23 in this scenario. Both Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen are still on the board, so they could go with those guys if they decide not to go with Epinesa. Another defensive lineman who would make sense would be Marlon Davidson, obviously with his versatility. So, uh, Ben, your thoughts on Epinesa going to the Pats? Yeah, obviously a really good fit there. A player that some people have kind of compared his skill set to a Rob Ninkovich. I think he has the upside of like a Jared Allen. Uh, being more of a power rusher and not really a whole lot of finesse or flexibility to his game, but that's okay. And it seems like New England has a style that he fits kind of the, you know, John Simon mold, that Rob Ninkovich mold, that I think he's going to fit right in there. And they clearly have a type in that front seven. So 
Um, I wouldn't rule out, you know, maybe a little movement at the quarterback position. Maybe they fall in love with a Jordan Love or somebody like that, that, you know, they're sitting right there, kind of in the back middle end of round one to see where the board falls to them. All right. So speaking of Jordan Love, we go to the Saints, number 24, Larry Holder from The Athletic, at Larry Holder on Twitter, the co-host of the Dunk and Holder podcast with Jeff Duncan. He's going to be our GM. And the selection is not going to be Jordan Love. It will be linebacker Patrick Queen of LSU. This list, in Holder's eyes, will leave the Saints in making a tough decision between Queen and Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray. He believes Queen seems to fit more of the need of a hole at middle linebacker. If the Saints want a weak side linebacker, he thinks Murray would be the pick. The big thing here from Larry, he is not buying any hype surrounding Jordan Love to the Saints. In terms of needs down the line, wide receiver could still be addressed as well as interior offensive line. The Saints did get Emmanuel Sanders in free agency, so wide receiver is not an immediate need. Uh, and then the middle of the offensive line still needs to be addressed, even though Andrews Pete, the former first-round pick, signed a long-term deal. Yeah, interesting pick there going Queen over Murray. Obviously, they're going to need a, a linebacker there to plug in. Uh, once Demario Davis's days are done, they have Kiko and Alex Anzalone right now. I still think they could use some kind of edge rushing presence to go with Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan, who's a little bit more of a interior flexible guy. But we'll see. You know, they have Janoris Jenkins at left corner. We like Marshawn Lattimore at the other corner spot. So if potentially one of these corners fell to him, I wouldn't put that uh, past them either. They, you know, added Malcolm Jenkins to the secondary. They really like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as kind of their Swiss Army knife sub-package DB. Patrick Robinson. So they have four, five, six deep at defensive back. So this is a pretty uh, interesting roster. And it seems like they're going to make the run for the championship here. Uh, Drew Brees' kind of uh, last couple of years. And he's, he'd be a guy, too, that would match up with uh, Christian McCaffrey, obviously someone they want to try and get a handle on long-term in that division. Uh, 25, Minnesota Vikings. I went back with Jordan Reed from the Draft Network. The pick here from Minnesota, Jalen Rager. With Stephon Diggs now in Buffalo, there's a clear need opposite of Adam Thielen. The team lacks firepower, and Rager brings that as a receiver and return specialist. The board fell perfectly as Rager is a fill for the huge need at wide receiver. The team would also consider left tackle Austin Jackson once again, and also Arizona State's Brandon Ayuk at this spot. Ben, what do you think about Jalen Rieger going to the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, really interesting. This is kind of first of the uh, the gadget type of uh, position off the board here. I think this is now five receivers off the board. I guess Henry Ruggs counts as that gadget-style player as well. Um, but a really interesting player, yeah, mix in with Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook and, you know, Kyle Rudolph there in that offense here. So I want to stretch the field not only vertically but horizontally as well and just take some pressure off of Kirk Cousins. They love the screen game up in Minnesota, so a lot of catch and run opportunities. And you can make a case that Jalen Rieger is one of the better screen running backs in the entire country. All right, so number 26, the Miami Dolphins are going to make their third pick of the first round of the 2020 Journey to the Draft, Mock Draft, Podcast Edition, and uh, Alan Pupar, again, at A. Pupar Fins from All Dolphins, part of the Maven SINFL Network. He's going to make the pick once again. They went quarterback at number five with Justin Herbert. They went offensive tackle with Josh Jones, and they finished with another offensive player, running back, DeAndre Swift. So we have a running back going in the first round, getting Justin Herbert another weapon to help him with his transition. So again, 
the Dolphins getting a quarterback in Herbert, a tackle on Josh Jones, and they finish out the offensive trifecta with DeAndre Swift. <clears throat> Seems to be the formula there, Fran. Everybody's saying quarterback, running back, tackle. Yeah, I mean, that's the – you would think that makes a lot of sense for that team. So, well, yeah, and I think the, the first running back off the board there, DeAndre Swift, uh, I don't think there's any any issues with that. No, it's interesting that Pupar did mention that uh, with their previous selection there that he Swift is also in the conversation as well. So transitioning to the Seattle Seahawks and number 27, Joe Fan from NBC Sports Northwest. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe underscore fan. That's with two ends, and that is, yes, his – actual last name joe does a great job covering the team he goes with penn state defensive end yeter gross matos as the selection a true 4-3 defensive end the best fit in seattle of any pass rusher left on the board gross matos has a nice mix of traits and upside coupled with production in a power five conference posted 17 combined sacks over the last two seasons despite struggling with consistency Seattle would have the confidence in its coaching staff to get the most out of Gross Matos' ideal frame and athleticism. With Jadavian and Clowney still on side, it's imperative that the Seahawks address the pass rush early in the 2020 NFL draft, and Gross Matos accomplishes that goal. Other uh, potential option would be USC offensive tackle Austin Jackson, as they need to find the left tackle of the future with Dwayne Brown about to turn 36 years old. Yeah, I like the pick there, Fran. Another uh, interior, or excuse me, a uh, defensive lineman that has some interior flexibility. It seems like they have a type there with some yep. uh, versatility on their guys, like LJ Collier last year. That literally can line up anywhere from wide nine to nose tackle and sub packages. Uh, Rasheem Green, another guy like that. So adding more athletic bodies and Yatur Gross Matos, I think his best football is ahead of him, ahead of him as well. So 28th overall pick, Baltimore Ravens are on the clock. I went with uh, Sir, Char- Sir Charles Davis, a CBS nice. and NFL Network analyst, uh, our good friend. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at CFD22, obviously uh, the voice of the Madden NFL franchise. Uh, Charles Davis with the Baltimore Ravens goes with Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma, which makes a ton of sense. They operate best uh, with strong inside linebacker leadership like a Ray Lewis and a C.J. Mosley, and Murray will run this defense and make a bunch of tackles, be very productive. Also, he can run and will be a part of Wink Martindale's unpredictable defense. If available, C.D. Lamb or is another home run hitter over the top for superior run game uh, with Lamar Jackson. You pair him with Hollywood Brown and with Mark Andrews. Uh, obviously, look, uh, Oklahoma East, uh, Kenneth Murray rejoining hmm. uh, a bunch of his former teammates there in Baltimore. What do you like? What do you think there? I, I love Kenneth Murray. So him falling uh, all the way to 28, a little bit surprising. Yeah. It's interesting that queen went above him, but I think this is right where uh, a lot of people have uh, Kenneth Murray going, joining his sooner buddies over there. Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, Orlando Brown, Ben Powers, uh, kind of a funny group there with all those Oklahoma Sooners up there in Baltimore. But really good player, a playmaker, an explosive stack ball linebacker that can run sideline to sideline and terrorize quarterbacks as well in sub packages. So uh, really intriguing player and kind of a, an exciting player as well. Don't forget they got Clayus Campbell as well to kind of bolster the trenches in front of him. A lot of interesting bodies on this defense. All right, so number 29, the Tennessee Titans are on the clock. Teron Davenport used to cover the Eagles, now with ESPN NFL Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. He is also the host of the Talking with TD show on ESPN Nashville, 102.5 The Game. 
And you can listen to the archive of that show on all of your podcast platforms. So for the Titans, Davenport goes with Jeff Gladney, the quarterback of TCU. His ability to be a nickel as well as an outside corner fits the void after Logan Ryan was not brought back. Gladney is a tough player who competes on every snap. He has no problem mixing it up against the run as well, all of which fit perfectly with the attacking defensive culture that head coach Mike Vrabel has established. Other options here at the pick 29 would be Marlon Davidson of Auburn, Terrell Lewis of Alabama, or most likely here would be a trade back. Uh, Interesting. And that was the same thing to look for down the line of quality backup running back to compliment Derrick Henry on third downs, a Cam Akers or a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I really thought a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire here would be a great pick to kind of mix in behind Derrick Henry, a guy that's a little bit more of a perimeter back, a little bit, actually not a little bit, a lot more upside on third down in the pass game. Behind Derrick Henry, they don't have a whole lot. So I think adding some versatility, that role that kind of Deion Lewis uh, played the past couple of years there and just being that scat back on third down, take some of the carries away from Derrick Henry as well to try to preserve him. I like their corners. They have Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, obviously adding, you know, youth and depth to that position never hurts in the NFL. You got to be able to cover uh, with five, six deep on the back end. So I think anytime you can add a corner or an edge rusher is a good thing. But I think adding more weapons around Ryan Tannehill with Corey Davis and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, obviously, like we had mentioned, uh, I just would have liked to see a little bit more of an explosive presence in that backfield with Derrick Henry. I love that because I feel like he fits that type of those guys that you mentioned with Butler and, you know, even go that's like Logan Ryan, like guys are a little bit undersized, but, you know, have that edge to them. I feel like uh, he kind of fits in that mold. Um, The last couple here for me, uh, 30th overall pick, Green Bay Packers up. I went with Dan Hatman, former NFL scout, the director of the Scouting Academy. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan underscore Hatman. He goes... Well, I'll go through the explanation first. The run on wide receivers was not helpful here. The same could be said as the top five tackles are also gone after investing so heavily in the edge off the edge last season and then spending a first-rounder on a safety. It would be ideal to invest resources in other positions if the board makes sense. I don't see a running back left with a first-round value. This would be an ideal scenario to trade out for a team that would want Jordan Love as well. Ultimately, the two players that it comes down to are Love and Cesar Ruiz as the focal points with attention on wide receiver at 62 and tackle depth at 94 being strong considerations. Ultimately, the pick, Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, uh, that gives them some uh, competition across the board along the interior offensive line and gives them some flexibility post Corey Lindsley. Ben, what do you think of Cesar Ruiz going to Green Bay? I don't know. I didn't think we need competition on the interior offensive line. You already have kind of a stockpile there. You know, that Elton Jenkins and Lane Taylor – you know, battling out at left guard. seems like it's going to be Elton, Corey Lindsley, and Billy Turner. The question is at tackle. They let Brian Bulaga go to, you know, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. They brought in Rick Wagner from Detroit, which seems like it's kind of a competition stopgap piece there. I really thought in Ezra Cleveland here, uh, obviously a lot of the big tackles going off the board already isn't ideal, but I think getting one of these tackles is imperative. There's a bigger drop-off on day two from tackle than receiver, in my opinion. So you go get an Ezra Cleveland, and then on day two, go get one of these gadget receivers, whether it's Lynn Bowden or Devin DuVarnay or Antonio Gibson. I like Cesar Ruiz. I just think this team has a lot of other holes. They obviously have some needs at receiver. It's no secret they were in on Emmanuel Sanders. They settled on Devin Funchess as kind of a contingency prize there. But after Devontae Adams, they have a lot of questions and inconsistencies. So 
definitely if they're going to address offensive line early and it's not offensive tackle, that means their two major needs are still tackle and still receiver. So uh, good player, but you could poke some holes in this pick. Interesting. Well, let's go here to the 31st overall pick. Back with the 49ers. I went this time with Chad Reuter from NFL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Chad underscore Reuter. Uh, does a great job with, with research uh, for NFL Network and for NFL.com. Uh, Chad goes with Ross Blacklock, uh, the defensive tackle from the TCU. I believe the 49ers will try to trade out of the first round, if at all possible, to regain picks lost in trades for Emmanuel Sanders and D. Ford. If they do stay at 31, and given that they selected a wide receiver with their first pick, I believe that they would look to replenish the depth on the defensive line loss with the trade of DeForest Buckner. Ross Blacklock is the pick, though Justin, Justin Matabike is another possibility. Another option could be LSU center Lloyd Cushenberry, who could play guard if Weston Richburg is, again, healthy to resume his starting role in 2020. Ben, what do you think of Blacklock going to that 49ers defensive line? So they got Henry Ruggs and Ross Blacklock in round one? Yeah. Yep. Come on, man. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's, a, that's a great pick. He's, you know, I think he's uh, kind of worked his name into the boomer bust category, just coming off the major injury last year, missing all 2018 after the prolific rookie campaign in 2017, got back to form last year. And our buddy Greg Cosell said he was one of, one of his favorite interior pass rushers. I think he said he was his favorite interior pass rusher. So adding interior pass rusher with Nick Bosa, and Arik Armstead and D Ford and all those other guys on defense there on top of still adding offensive firepower. This team was just in the Super Bowl, Fran. Those are some scary picks to add to an already deep roster. All right. So the last pick of the first round goes to the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. The GM is going to be Therese Paler, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Therese Paler. Also is a co-host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson. A very, very good listen. The last selection of the first round is going to be linebacker Zach Vaughn out of Wisconsin. Fast sideline to sideline linebacker with pass rush ability and cover upside. Steve Spagnuolo would love to send him on blitzes. Other options to watch here at 32, cornerback, center, or a trade down. Uh, also look for them to later explore options at guard, running back, and even tight end. So last pick here, going defense, Zach Vaughn out of Wisconsin. Fran, do you see any defensive backs that could squeeze in there? Who do we still have on the board? I think Trayvon Diggs, Xavier McKinney, Grant Johnson. Yeah, some really intriguing options there. I think anywhere from 28 to 32, if those types of names are sitting on the board, whether it's Jeremy Chin or Delpit McKinney, those are real mid-first-round values in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I just that's why I wanted to kind of look at our right, who are the guys that did not go. We we're talking Trayvon Diggs, uh, Jalen Johnson, uh, let's say Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit. Uh, just kind of going through. You mentioned Brett, Jeremy Chin at the safety spot. Uh, no linebackers that we weren't necessarily expecting. Defensive tackle uh, Neville Gallimore, uh, Marlon Davidson as well. Uh, off the edge, it seems like most of the edge guys. No Terrell Lewis, but that's not a huge, huge shock. Um, right. Offensive line. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, c No Austin Jackson, right? No Austin Jackson. Oh. Ezra Cleveland would, <laughs> yep, be, would no be another Cleveland. one there. Yep. Who's uh, the next receiver on your board, Fran? Is it Ayuk? Is it T. Higgins? Yeah, I mean, there's no no Ayuk, no T. Higgins, no K.J. Hamler, uh, no LaVisca Chenault. So all those guys uh, fall to round two. Uh, obviously, three, two, of the, two of the top three running backs, Edward Hilaire, uh, Jonathan Taylor, both those guys fall. J.K. Dobbins falls out of round one as well. Uh, and then, of course, Jordan Love is the other big one. 
Yeah, I think the run on tackles, I think there's going to be another one or two tackles in there. I really think Ezra Cleveland is working himself into the first round. And there's a big drop-off. There's some intriguing developmental guys on day two, like Matt Pert and Cameron Clark and Lucas Niang. But I would be shocked if guys like Ezra Cleveland or even Isaiah Wilson didn't squeeze into the first round. So we're talking potentially eight offensive tackles into the first round. I expect Jordan Love to be a first-round pick. So with all those guys getting bumped up, who's at the expense? So I think it's going to be the receivers. Maybe we don't see any running backs in the first round. We only had one, and that was DeAndre Swift. So, you know, that means uh, Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins and Edward Hilaire are still on the board. I think that's the narrative of this draft. I think it's going to be a heavy day two skill player. Go get your trench players, your tackles, those few edge rushers, the corners on day one. All right, guys, it was a fun exercise, uh, a lot of fun to be able to knock that out once again. we got a couple questions we're going to get to here. It's time now for Draft Mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. So as always, the best way to throw us your support uh, for this show is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you listen. Leave us a rating, hopefully five stars. Leave us a comment, and if it's a question in the comment, we will answer it here on the show. I should say this, too. The draft is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but our coverage here on the Journey of the Draft podcast goes on. We continue. This is a year-round podcast, so uh, you know we're talking, you know, you know uh, draft philosophy. We're talking, you know, going back and looking back to to years before, and then obviously previewing what we're going to see this fall. Uh, hopefully, we will see this fall um, in college football. So make sure you always stay tuned here to the Journey of the Draft podcast. Let's get a couple questions in here. Uh, LJE513 left a five-star review saying, hey, love the podcast. and I love you guys talking about the prospects in general, like who they compare to and what they do best and weaknesses at the next level. I love LaVisca Chenault, the player, on tape. He can be used in multiple ways, like Debo Samuel last year, but the injuries are worrisome. Do you think the Eagles would shy away because of the injuries? And also, how would he fit with injury stuff? I have to throw our hands up on the outside, right? Because we don't we we know what's reported, but we don't know if those reports are facts or if they're hiding a little bit. You know, we don't we don't know everything. It's impossible for us to know exactly how everybody feels about the medicals. And again, all 32 teams are going to look at those same medical reports a little bit differently, and they're going to value it a little bit differently. So. It's very tough for us to say, oh, yeah, the Eagles are definitely going to shy away from it. Or, oh, no, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be fine. They're going to clear them. It's tough for us to say on the outside. We have to let this week kind of play out. But, uh, Ben, you and I have been talking about LaVisca Chenault really for almost a full calendar year now, going back to last summer. Uh, very, very impressive physical specimen. Can do a lot of things, especially with the ball in his hands. Uh, very, very impressive mm-hmm. player after the catch. Yeah, and the thing I think separates him with these other gadget players, he's thick, he's rocked up, he doesn't look like a burner. He won vertically a ton in college. Throwing that Nebraska game two years ago, I think he had two slot fade touchdowns over 40 yards. But availability is ability. And if you look at the past three years, 460 snaps, 500 snaps, 44 snaps, he's yet to finish a season. So, you know, I think we want to see, and just for perspective, Justin Jefferson played 900 snaps last year alone. Uh, So I think his availability, his injury history is a question mark. But if he's healthy, he's one of the more dangerous players in the entire class, mixed in with C.D. Lamb, Judy, Ruggs, 
whoever else you want. If LaVishka Chenault is healthy, he's just as talented as all those receivers. I mean, you go back to what we when I first started coming on the podcast at the beginning of draft season, right after the NFL and college football season completed, and Chenault was is was in every mock draft was a popular mock draft selection for the Eagles at 21. Uh, so certainly the injury question is something that, again, we can't answer. Every team's going to do it on a case-by-case basis. But uh, just from a pure playmaking ability, Chanel, as Ben said, is right right there at the top of the class. So uh, last question here we're going to answer here on today's episode. We'll answer a few more uh, every day this week. But hypothetical question, left a five-star review saying, hi, guys, a question not so much related to the Eagles, but if you were the Bengals, would you pick Joe Burrow or – do you like another quarterback better? Maybe because they have a higher ceiling. If you do really like Burrow, what would it take for you to trade down with another team? That would really shake up this draft. Thanks for all of the great work. Uh, I, would t- I, mean, I, would, I would I would take Burrow. Uh, I think I, I would not get cute with this. I think uh, you take Burrow. Uh, look, is he the, the best physical talent? In this draft, no, he's not. He's not the best physical talent. I, I would argue that Jordan Love is a better physical talent. I would argue that Justin Herbert is a better physical talent. But I think when you look at Joe Burrow and what he was able to do from an execution standpoint, decision making, his accuracy, his touch, his toughness, his competitiveness, his poise—I mean, those are stuff that those are all traits that are very tough to be able to teach and coach into a quarterback. To me, uh, I'm taking Joe Burrow. I'm working the offense around him. I think you're going to have to change a couple of things that you're doing out there already in Cincinnati in that offense. But ultimately, I'm taking Joe Burrow and saying, all right, let's go win it with the local guy. Well, Fran, you know who else is in a physical talent? Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly. Pey- right. Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. Yep. You know, Drew Brees can't throw a comeback route. Peyton Manning, you know, was be able, be able, barely able to throw 60 yards in his career. Like, it's not all about big rocket arm and, you know, those uh, – physical and tangibles. If you don't have it between the ears, which Joe Burrow made so many plays with his mind that were so advanced, and there's no secret that they went from max protections to empty protections this past year with Joe Brady. And the empty protections put stress on one person, and that's the quarterback position. And Joe Burrow lived up to it. Obviously, we saw that prolific campaign, but it was how he won the national championship and went undefeated and won the Heisman Trophy and what he had to do with his mind and decision-making that I think is the most impressive thing. And that translates to every Sunday. If you, if you get the quarterback, you're in the playoff contention every single season. You have your centerpiece to build around. You, you look for teams that are – you look at teams that are mired in mediocrity. It's, it's largely because they can't find the answer or the guy they have, they have to commit to because they're not so bad that they're going to be picking high. Cincinnati needs to take advantage of this number one selection and get the get their guy. And I, I would be very, very happy taking Burrow number one. Yeah, I, to me, I, th- I think it's a no-brainer. I'd be shocked if it went any other way uh, this Thursday night. Well, guys, uh, this was fun once again. And we're going to be back here tomorrow. We've got a couple great preview episodes lined up here with Greg Costell from NFL Films. We're going to do the offense tomorrow on Tuesday, the defense the next day on Wednesday. We've got the NFL draft on Thursday. We'll be bringing you nightly recaps on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, so check out for them, uh, you know, in your on your phone or wherever you listen the next morning. So uh, until next time, we will see you here on the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA.